Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen. Andy taking a break today. There's not even Betsperts golf. He's writing or lying to us, doing something else. But Matt Rooney, as always, hanging with me on a Tuesday. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk some maybe college football, all sorts of other stuff, tennis. But let's go with last night. I know we let the world down. We didn't hit any of our first touchdown score parlays, but who looked more impressive to you last night, Buffalo or Philly? Uh, Buffalo for me. Um, It's nothing against Philly. I think they've looked really, really good. And we talked about how for the show that that Philly to have the best record in the NFL or NFC or most wins um, looks really good right now. But, but boy, does Buffalo just look kind of unstoppable. Tennessee went down, scored on that first drive and tied it and was kind of like, oh, maybe we're back in this. And then just Buffalo decided they were going to win that game by a million. And they did that. Um, Josh Allen looks like he's playing as good a football as ever. Can he stay healthy? Can he avoid hits? Can he learn when to, you know, avoid the contact or just tuck, you know, not tuck it and run, throw it away, save those blows for the playoffs. We'll see. Um, But right now, boy, they just they look unstoppable. Philly looks very good too. And it's more of a credit to Buffalo, I think, than it is anything against Philly. Both teams look really good, but boy, did Buffalo really look impressive. Yeah. I think in general, Buffalo is the more impressive team. I will say, I'm not sure either team has been tested. I mean, the Rams are going to end up being a good team, but first game of the season, kind of a funky spot for them. Curious to see uh, the bills are going to have a spot where they go at, they go to Baltimore at home for Pittsburgh go to Kansas City, and then back home for Green Bay. So I think those four games will be really telling. But the Eagles, man, does this look easy. At Washington, home Jacksonville, at Arizona, home for a Dallas Cowboys team, home for the Steelers. That was probably the toughest game in that um, group there. At Houston, home for Washington. They do have to go to Indianapolis, and they host the Packers. But Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants, the rest of the way, it looks really easy. And um, like you mentioned, kudos to uh, producer Dan, who talked me into a bet I'll almost certainly make once we get done here. Yeah, the Eagles are plus 850 to finish the season with the best record in the NFL. And at 2-0, and I look at that list, they're probably favored in every one of those games. You know, maybe a pick them at home against Green Bay, something like that. Maybe a pick them in Indianapolis. But, I mean, how many losses do you see in that list? Not a whole lot. I mean, the NFL's weird and anything can happen on an even Sunday. And I'm sure they'll drop one or two of those that we don't see coming. But they're going to be favored in probably just about all of them, except for, like you said, maybe Green Bay. We don't really know who's going to be playing better at that point. Green Bay might get it all figured out, and certainly they look better Sunday night. But I don't – it's hard to see them losing many games in that spot. So I, I really like Philly um, in that plus 850 bet. Who is uh, – did we see who was ahead of them? What kind of – who had shorter odds, if anybody? I'm sure the Bills you know, probably Buffalo were that had shorter odds for sure. Um, I wonder if a team like the Buccaneers are still getting odds. I'm going to try to pull this up actually right now and uh, see if we can figure it out. Because that was another thought I had. I mean, if the Eagles are plus 850, there must be some sort of weird Bills price or something. Um, I got a weird red spot on my face, it looks like. That's interesting. <laughs> No, no, I'm still so trying to pull this up to see who they have for most regular seasons. But, you know, I don't see it actually in my menu. But you'd have to think the Bills are ahead of them. No, um, we got Dan typing here. It's the Bills, the Bucks, and the Chiefs. There you go. Bills, Bucks, and Chiefs. That that makes sense to me. So, yeah, I, it's, I, mean, I, could, I could see the Bills. Obviously, they deserve to be a favorite. They look great. But 
again, that really tough sort of four-week spot there. They got a Vikings-Browns back-to-back, which could be tough. Just a funky schedule of the Bengals at the end of the season, and maybe the Bengals are, you know, trying to claw their way to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see. It's a pretty fun overall. Again, it's funny being in Philadelphia. Everybody's excited on the radio. Everyone's doing their apologies to Jalen Hurts and Howie Roseman columns and articles and um, diatribes today because it was one of the things that I'm disappointed I didn't draft Jalen Hurts more in fantasy because – they Philadelphia fans and the radio folks all summer. All they talked about was how Jalen hurts couldn't get it done. We should have traded Jalen hurts for Russell Wilson and all that crap. And it's just nice to see hurts do well. And it's, it's more fun to be here when the Eagles are good. So it's nice that, to I, see one of these quarterbacks, I guess now two of them, if you, if you can to in that regard, you know, showed some flashes in the last couple of years, weren't quite consistent and got the time got to develop got the weapons around them to help got some offensive line help. And lo and behold, they're paying off because they actually took time and patience. It's like it's not like everybody is going to be Patrick Mahomes that jumps in as right away a superstar. Josh Allen took a couple of years, and now look at him. Like if you think you have the talent, a talent in a guy, giving I know you have to make a decision by year five by the the fifth year option, but like give these guys time to develop, and then give them the weapons, and then make wait until they have those weapons to make the, you know the final decision on it. Um, but it, it's been nice to see Jalen Hurts and, and Tua, um, those two specifically, kind of start proving some people wrong once they got the time to develop, time to adjust to the league, and then got A-plus weapons put around them. Yeah, I can dig it. Let's jump into some baseball. I did check. We don't have quite day ball. It's more like late afternoon ball. But yeah. what do we got here today? Uh, so I'll start with the, uh, at the bottom here with Dan's Braves. Um, I, I faded on this show and in the baseball blog a bunch. Patrick Corbin, who's starting for the Nationals, one of the worst starters in baseball, one of the worst free agent signings in Major League history. Um, <laughs> he goes up, up against the Braves for the Nationals uh, in Atlanta. Charlie Morton's thrown for the Braves. He's been fine this year. He hasn't been spectacular, but kind of what they'd expect an aging veteran to be. Um, they're like minus 300-something on the money line. They're in a division race against a very bad team at home. Uh, I'm going to take them on the money line, and I wanted to get some. I looked at first half lines. I looked at first three inning lines. There's really just no value on betting the Braves in this one. So I figured I'd parlay them with their NL East counterpart, the team they're chasing, uh, a game behind in the NL East with the Mets, who are coming off a, a big win last night uh, against the Brewers. Or the Max Scherzer came off the IL through just absolutely spectacular. I think he had a perfect game going into the sixth or something like that. Uh, but they look really good. Uh, they have Carlos Carrasco throwing tonight, who's been pretty darn good since coming off the IL. He's got just two earned runs uh, combined in his last uh, two starts, which were six innings apiece. So he's throwing the ball well. Give me an NL East par- money line parlay at plus 148. And I'm uh, I'm going to go with my White Sox here tonight. And uh, this is on FanDuel. If you scroll to the bottom of these uh, of, of the game, like you know, the, the, all the bets, they have player performance doubles. This is a, a White Sox player performance double. We're going to take Dylan Cease seven-plus strikeouts in the White Sox on the money line. Dylan Cease is one of, if not the front runner for the AL Cy Young right now with Verlander. I know Verlander's back, but he missed some time due to injury. Shane McClanahan fell off and was injured for a little bit there. Dylan Cease is looking like he might be the guy right now or at least have a case for it. Um, he's going up against Aaron Savali for Cleveland, who hasn't thrown a ton this year. I think he's only got about 75 innings on the season. He hasn't been all that good. He's got an ERA in the mid fives. Granted, he's thrown okay against the Sox, but most Cleveland pitchers do. Uh, Cease has been really good his last two starts against Cleveland. Hasn't allowed an earned run uh, in 13 innings. So it was six innings started. Sorry, 11.2 innings. It was a six inning start and five and two thirds inning starts. He has 13 strikeouts. That's where I got the number 13 uh, in those two starts against Cleveland. So he's thrown against uh, pretty well against them this year. 
And it's a must-win must spot for the White Sox. They need to sweep the three-game set in order to get the tiebreaker because they got rid of the one-game playoffs. Um, they are four games behind Cleveland, so this is a, a must-sweep series for the Sox. They have their ace. I like him to have a lot of strikeouts tonight and the White Sox to win, not just because their backs are up against the wall, but the pitching matchup is heavily skewed in their favor. I can dig it. I like that. What plus was the price 260 on that as well. I thought I, I must say it's plus 260. So, I mean, Cease is the, uh, he's got 214 strikeouts on the year. I think he's fourth in baseball. He's up near the top of the, the AL. He strikes out a lot of batters. Um, I, I like him at home and then plus 260. I mean, I, I really like that value. Yeah. His strikeout total was probably too. seven and a half. Sounds about right. I like both of those. That sounds fun. I wonder if they'll let me put them all together. Anyway, we'll see. Um, tennis. We're in Asia still. Tokyo, Seoul. It's, again, I kind of like this time of the year, Matt. I go to sleep. They start playing. I get up. It's all over. I kind of see what happens. There's no real worrying or beating. I kind of like, yeah, it's kinda, there's something refreshing about not watching your bets and just waking up to see what happened. It really <laughs> takes the stress out of it. It really does. And we'll dive back into Asia. But we do also have, I know how much you love clay tennis. We've got a clay tournament in Budapest there. Uh, but let's start in Tokyo. Let's start in Tokyo. Queen Zhang is back on the court. It's going to take her to beat Paula Bedosa here at minus 115. Bedosa just really having a poor year. Not sure if there's some sort of nagging injury or something going on there, but really struggled here the last couple months of the year. Comes to Tokyo as a high seed. Um, not really impressed with what she's done lately. We know how much I love Zhang here and looking at her numbers, especially against some of the better players here. Uh, just really like this at minus 115. Had Zhang closer to minus 145 again before tweaking some stuff for honestly how pitiful Bedoza has been at, towards the end of the season here and how much of a grind it can be just to get out here and even get through a few matches. But Zhang will also do that. And in the first set, over nine and a half games. Um, although, again, I don't think terribly highly of Bedosa. She's very competitive in first sets. Same thing with Zhang here, the full match over, um, right at 21 and a half. But over nine and a half games, I'm seeing it less than standard juice, plus money a few spots. So poke around. Just looks like a great number to me. Again, I would have this at 10. So to be able to get that all-important half game, especially at plus money at a few spots, looks really good to me. Cast and save a one for us yesterday as a short dog. Um, really like her tomorrow. Um, again, much bigger dog. It was only like plus 105 yesterday in a match where you know thought she should be a slight favorite. Comes up again against um, Rebecca Marino, who... Marino having a, a pretty good end to the season, someone who I think will be successful in some of these hard courts eventually, but uh, nowhere near the level I think she needs to be to be minus 350, minus 340, what you're seeing in this match here. Catherine Zaba playing some good tennis, a young player sort of getting better. Again, Marino, a class ahead of her for sure, you know, a mediocre WTA player, whereas Catherine Zaba sort of working her way up to that level bit, just a really big number. I would have this closer to plus. 190 plus 200 maybe three and a half or you know a very juicy four but plus four and a half games even plus money out there so you'll see some fives if you can get five at minus 115 or better that looks good but um just really like that spot i think at the very least that's going to be a close long match and um, cast and save will certainly have her chances finally donka kovinich you might remember last time we saw her she was getting beat up at the u.s open while everyone was cheering for serena williams no matter what she did and it's just a tough spot to be in she gets back on um, clay a much better surface for her because against Tamara Korpach, who uh, really struggling to figure out why she is a minus 150, minus 160 favorite in this match. I mean, uh, and part of it is the the juice on and the big on these matches are much higher given that they're smaller. I mean, you're looking at minus 150 plus 115 in some spots. So, you know, a 35, 40 cent spread is, is pretty rough. But Korpach, 
haven't seen much from her this year. I look at her numbers, not nearly as good on clay. Um, just everything in this match points to Kavinich being a short favorite. So plus 115 I'm seeing now, plus 125 I saw earlier. All the numbers look good to me. So we'll have that one early on, probably while you're having your coffee. And the other ones will be overnight, probably while you're asleep. Does, I was just kind of thinking this. Does tennis really have an off season, Or is it kind of like golf where, like, even when it's over, there's still – Stuff like there's still something going on just about every week because I feel like there's never really been a, a day on this show where you don't have something, maybe a day, but there hasn't been a week on this show where you go without bets. <laughs> um, December, there's very few tennis tournaments okay. in December. That's generally when they do it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like golf, basically. Um, some of the players will kind of close shop September, October, some of them will play in November, but December, hardly any events. And in January, we're right down under, and the Australian Open starts at the end of the month. So very quick turnaround. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It's so similar to kind of like soccer where they just kind of have the one month off and then they're right back to it. That makes sense. Give, it. give them Christmas off. I like that. So we've got a little college um, football here. I have a some big co- 10 ball. Yeah. Just on Saturday? I have some big 10 ball and I have some Pac-12. We, we, I have another bet that I kind of want to follow up on. It was a preseason one that I gave you. One A, a sad under, we'll call it. Um, but I also have a game this week. I'm going to be sticking with with Andy's Minnesota Gophers that I gave out on Friday. Gave them out minus 27 and a half uh, at home against Colorado, and that was never in doubt. They were up 28 nothing. I think it was at halftime, 149 to seven. Uh, we're going to go Minnesota, Michigan State's first half under 24 and a half. Uh, both teams have actually scored a good amount of points this year. Played in some higher scoring games. Michigan State, though, really just. Having just played Washington, kind of that was the only game between these of these two teams that was against like anybody. Minnesota's played a very very soft schedule so far, and they've had some high scoring games. But Michigan State, even though they weren't all that impressive against Washington, um, is by far the best team they're going to play. And Minnesota has to go on the road. Minnesota's offense is based around their run game. They have two really good running backs. Michigan State, granted, against not the best of competition so far, and a team in Washington that throws the ball well, still has pretty much shut down the run this year that they're allowing under a hundred yard hundred yards a game on the ground. So Michigan state's something they've done so well defensively to counteract what Mich- what Minnesota does well offensively. And I-, I think Minnesota going up against their first, you know, real opponent of the year, it's going to take them a little bit longer to kind of get going. I, I think that the game speed is going to be a little bit faster for them and it's a big 10 conference game. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a feeling out process early. The over, uh, I think the total is like 51 and a half. I'm not saying I'd go under that because I think it probably still does get over at some point. I just think this one starts a little bit slower when we hit that first half under 24 and a half. And to follow up on Colorado's regular season win total, I believe it was three and a half uh, that I gave out the under four earlier uh, before the season started. If you go to FanDuel, you go to the regular season wins tab, there is one bet available, and that is Colorado over under half a win. Uh, with the over being minus 125, under being plus 105. I- I'm pulling up their schedule now, and I was looking up at it early, looking at it earlier. Buffalo. Like they got UC, they they got home against UCLA. They're not going to win that game. UCLA just survived at home against South Alabama. But, but we're kind of learning that the Sun Belt's a pretty good conference, and I, I think don't, I don't think UCLA overlooks a second opponent in Colorado. They go to Arizona, which is I would say would be their most winnable game left, but like that's a sneaky kind of difficult place to play at night when you're not a very good football team. And Arizona's actually looked fairly competent so far this year. They have Cal at home that might be kind of winnable, but Cal plays really good defense and, and Colorado can't really score. 
after that, like there's really not much. They close the season with four straight ranked teams. They have to go to a very, very solid Oregon State team. They're not going to win that one. Arizona State just fired Herm Edwards, so maybe that's one they could steal at home. But like the, the rest of their schedule is pretty darn difficult. They've given up 38-plus points in all three of their games so far. I really kind of – I haven't taken it yet, and I, I'll probably regret not taking it. But I think that under half a win might be worth a flyer, and I, I think what this is probably something we'll we'll get into a little bit later on the Blogger Bowl with, with me, Dan, and Phil. That's not a tease, but kind of a tease. Um, but I just I saw this and I wanted to bring it up. I'm not taking a bet yet, but I just thought that was very interesting that FanDuel already has this prop up for you, and it's the only regular season win total you can still find. It sure is interesting to try to decide a team can win one lousy football game, but. Another sad year for the Buffalo. Sad, sad time to be a Buffalo. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we've got today. Anything else you want to touch on for the people here before we wrap it up and uh, beg for some likes and whatnot? Uh, like, subscribe to the Betsburts Media YouTube page. That makes Andy really happy, even though Andy's taking the day off today. We can still make him happy with some likes. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's about all we got. Go follow all of our Go sign up for all of our uh, sponsors. What is that? Profit Exchange, uh, Prize no Picks, all those good stuff. Prize Picks, FanDuel, DraftKings. Get that DraftKings Eagles. Most Tune into the Blogger Bowl, too, live today at 2 p.m. Eastern on this very Ooh. same YouTube channel. There you go. More Maddie talking college football. So lots to do, and we're busy, too. See you tomorrow.